Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. You know, it's hard to find a person that doesn't totally love this great holiday spirit we have every year. And while everyone is into the season of giving, don't forget the best way to ring in the holidays is to send your friends, your loved ones, your coworkers a beautiful, vibrant bouquet from our friends at 1-800-Flowers.com. Make them happy this year. 1-800-Flowers, they have a vast selection of elegant roses, lilies, daisies, and much more. And the best part is they're only $29.99. So you can deliver 1-800-Flowers seasonal bouquet to any friend, coworker, or loved one, it's the perfect way to let them know how much they mean to you, especially during the holidays. 1-800-Flowers is the only company I trust to deliver fresh flowers from the field for, of course, our holiday gift giving. Now to get beautiful and vibrant bouquets, starting at just $29.99, just go to 1-800-Flowers.com, use your desktop, your mobile device, click on the radio icon, and put in my last name, Hannity. 1-800-Flowers.com. Don't forget to click on the radio icon. Put in my last name, Hannity. This is the Sean Hannity Show podcast. Hey, welcome to the show. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Mark Simone here for Sean. He's uh, taking a little time off. This is that time of year where everybody vanishes. All these hosts go away. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a little disappointing. But on the other hand, Megan Kelly's gone, so there's a good side to everything. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, we've got a big show for you today. Lots to talk about. We've got lots of great stuff to discuss and lots of serious stuff. You've got two uh, terrorist attacks in the last 24 hours, and uh, President Obama, it was very upsetting for him. Tea time was delayed almost 20 minutes, but there he was right back on the golf course. And uh, Donald Trump, of course, our president-elect, speaking out immediately, referring to it as a radical Islamic terrorism which is what it is. Uh, ISIS has now officially taken credit for Berlin, issuing a statement not long ago that it was an ISIS soldier who carried out the attack. So we'll talk about this. We'll talk about uh, the transition. Uh, we'll take your calls, 800 
941. Sean is the number. Uh, Donald Trump in Florida. He'll be there till the end of the year. He always does this at the end of the year, always two weeks at Mar-a-Lago. But he's working constantly while he's there. You know, the fascinating thing, uh, now that he's the president-elect, is watching his worst enemies, the people that hated him the most, that came after him the hardest, suddenly running over to see him and uh, making peace. Last week, it was that little weasel, Jeff Bezos, that Amazon billionaire. He bought the Washington Post, not as a business, just personally, out of his own pocket, paid for it, to use the great legendary Washington Post as a weapon against Donald Trump. He had them run these vicious attack pieces, fake news, day and night, attacking Trump. Nobody came after him harder than Bezos. Well, last week they had the big tech meeting up in the conference room at Trump Tower. There was Jeff Bezos. Did you see the video of that when they went around the room? The biggest guys in the tech industry, they went around the room. Each guy had to introduce himself. So he said, I'm Tim Cook. I'm the chairman of Apple. Some woman is sitting there. I'm so-and-so. I'm the chairman of Oracle. I mean, it was very impressive. Then they get to this Bezos, and he said, hi, I'm Jeff Bezos. I'm the chairman of Amazon and I'm really excited to be here today. He actually said that, this little worm. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, what a phony. So last night, guess who flew to uh, Palm Beach, Florida, to have dinner with Donald Trump? Carlos Slim. He's the Mexican billionaire who really tried to kill Trump. He bought the. He owns the New York Times. It's now a Mexican-owned newspaper, the New York Times. And he had them going after Trump day and night. He was there in Mar-a-Lago last night. He had dinner with Donald Trump, came out of the dinner. He said, we really got along great. He's a wonderful guy. Now, normally, this is total phoniness, but uh, the reason for all of this, and you've seen this with everybody from uh, Mitt Romney to, uh, you know, this Barry Diller. He's a big media tycoon. Nobody attacked Trump more. Now he's saying he's a wonderful guy. Let's give him a chance. The, The reason for this is this is one thing about these billionaires. This is one quality they have, uh, and that's one of the reasons they're billionaires. When something bad happens to them, they don't whine, they don't cry, they adapt immediately to the situation and move forward. You you should remember that. It's a good characteristic. You see all these, these little snowflakes whining and looking for their safe space, and they need grief counselors. These billionaires, the second it happens, they turn on a dime, they adapt immediately, they go make friends. This is one of the secrets of success. Uh, I was talking to a guy. He works in one of the biggest law firms in New York, high-powered law firm. I mean, you would not want to be up against. This is one of the biggest, toughest law firms. They got a million of the toughest lawyers. He said they had the big company meeting. The chairman of the board got up, and one of the lawyers raised their hand, and they said, uh, I'm so traumatized by the election. I don't know if I can even work anymore. What is the company going to do for us? So the other lawyers look at it like, like this is crazy. But the next day in this law firm, a safe space room was set up with grief counselors that you could go into. You think I'm kidding? I, I'm not kidding. This, uh, you, you read about it in these colleges. All these big colleges had to set up a safe space. with they, they, I'm not kidding. They brought in coloring books, uh, grief counselors. They gave them Play-Doh. Uh, they brought in special dogs to calm them down. This is now going on in companies all over the place. Oh, you know, check this out. It's on my Twitter feed, Mark Simone, NY at Twitter. 
you will never be able to watch this George Stephanopoulos again. You know, he's married to Allie Wentworth. You know who she is? She's an actress. You remember the Seinfeld episode with the soup Nazi? And he had that girlfriend, that schmoopy, schmoopy, schmoopy girlfriend. Remember that? That's her. Okay, she's an actress. She's married to George Stephanopoulos. This goofball is on The View, and she says to the panel, our 11-year-old daughter can't sleep at night. She's so frightened of Donald Trump. I swear to God, the video, I have it on Twitter. The video is there. You, I mean, this is parenting while liberal. I mean, no 11-year-old has any thoughts about Donald Trump unless you've got two crazy parents who got this kid so frightened the kid can't sleep at night because of Donald Trump. Now, this is George Stephanopoulos and his wife. This tells you something about this family and the things they drill into this poor kid's head. Now, uh, Bill Clinton, yesterday, uh, Bill Clinton out of nowhere started telling the story about how Donald Trump called him a few days ago. And he said, I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, he just called like uh, like it was the 90s. We're all friends. And he just started talking to me about, uh, well, uh, I guess I believe that. That is the kind of thing Donald Trump does. Uh, tries to make peace with everybody. Well, now Trump has issued a statement. So it was the other way around. Bill Clinton called him. And these Clintons better stop going after Trump. You know, January 20th, he takes office. And somebody's got to decide what to do with the FBI investigation of Hillary Clinton. I don't mean the emails. I mean the Clinton Foundation and all that. That investigation is still going on. So uh, if I were them, I'd stop playing games with Donald Trump. But there he is making up these stories. Now, knowing Bill Clinton, maybe that's why he called Donald Trump. Uh, just to take his temperature a little. See where, uh, where he stands on all of this. But uh, Trump correcting the lie. It was Bill Clinton that called him. Hey, we'll take some calls. 800-941-SEAN. Is there a um, a liberal out there who can explain this Russian hacking to me? I know it's of great, great concern because you talk to any liberal, and if you say anything, they start yelling, this is the biggest attack on American democracy. This is the biggest threat. But I always ask him the same question. What was hacked? And they always say, the election. The election was hacked. But exactly what was hacked? How do you hack an election? But I heard about Podesta's emails, but that, but believe me, that didn't affect an election. And Podesta has admitted himself that he got one of those spam phishing emails that said you got to reset your password. You know, a four-year-old wouldn't fall for that, but Podesta, you got to get like a 70-year-old to fall for that. He didn't know any better, and he gave it his password to this thing, and that's how he got hacked. The FBI has looked at the DNC, the RNC, and they did show that the uh, DNC servers didn't have a lot of protection. They didn't have much security. So anybody could have gotten in there. So, uh, you know, when the CIA tells you there's Russian hacking, hey, and it's not 17 agencies. 17 agencies shared the same exact report, which nobody believes. Hey, let me tell you another thing. We know for a fact, hard evidence, Debbie Wasserman Schultz rigged the whole primary process. Her office is four blocks from the CIA. They couldn't detect her. So don't think they can detect anything and everything. So uh, if there's a liberal out there, explain to me what was hacked. And don't say the election. What was hacked? The machines? Uh, People's brains? What was hacked? Uh, And where was this hacking that affected anything? 800-941-SEAN is the number. Uh, Where's the Dow right now? Keep an eye on the Dow. It could hit 20,000. 
at any point. This will be the all-time record. It's at 19,947. It could hit 20,000 today. That'll be the all-time record. That's the Trump bump. It's up dramatically since the election. Can you imagine if Hillary uh, were elected? You don't, you don't think it'd be hitting 20,000 right now. Uh, all this whining, all this crying, uh, it's got to stop. Yesterday was the Electoral College. That's it. It's official. Uh, Trump is the president-elect. you you got to stop with the whining and crying. Although, I don't know. Maybe it's good. Uh, keep talking about the Russian hacking. You look so ridiculous. You know, a normal person doesn't know what the hell you're talking about. What was hacked? Uh, anyway, uh, give us a call. 800-941-SEAN is the number. Who should we go to? Let's go to Philip in uh, Marietta, Georgia. Philip, how you doing? Welcome to Sean Hannity Show. I'm doing just fine, sir. How you doing? Good. Um, yes, sir. So you were just talking about, you know, the Russian hacking and yeah. how the media is spreading all that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I myself, unfortunately, I'm, I'm 21, so unfortunately I'm in that millennial category. 21? What do you do? Do you go to school? Uh, yes, sir. I'm in, uh, I'm in college at Savannah State University. Oh, my God. And uh, what, do you, what do you want to be should you grow up? Um, well, I'm currently in uh, Naval ROTC. Oh. The Marine Corps officer path. Very good. So you are not one of these campus snowflakes. No, sir, not at all. <laughs> so you did not have to run to a safe space. Uh, you know, I couldn't find one if I wanted to. Though. Not too much of that going on in my school, thankfully. Hey, let me ask you something. As a military-minded guy, you got all these people growing up, these snowflakes. They have to have coloring books, a safe space. What a God forbid we get in a war in 10 years. Are these people are going to fight it for us? Uh, it's it's a uh, it's a daunting thought. I'll, I mean, I'll what would that. happen? Every foxhole has to have grief counselors and safe spaces. How would we ever get through anything? Uh, I just I guess we just have to hope that the enemy would allow us our safe spaces. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, what do you want to say, uh, Philip? Uh, I was just wanting to comment on uh, you know, as a millennial, I've noticed I've always been told you know be very be very wary of mainstream news, and yeah. I think a lot of that came up during the Bush administration, as I can remember when I was a kid. You know, because there was all kinds of false reports. Did you hear what he said? The Bush the administration when he was a kid. Oh, my God. He, and he's talking <laughs> about 43 when he was a kid. Um, so, but, um, but yeah, but it, it's just crazy to see a lot of my, how, how easily my friends, you know, and they'll say the same thing. Oh, you know, don't watch CNN, don't watch Fox, but then they'll turn around and they'll go, oh, the, the election was hacked, like you were saying. Yeah, you know, and they get that from CNN, and it's like okay. Well, now actually, I think you should watch that. You know, I love to watch MSNBC. That is one of the funniest channels. This Rachel Maddow is hysterical. This Morning Joe is absolutely hysterical. Uh, in fact, we'll get it. Remind me to get to Donnie Deutsch in a moment. Nobody could figure out what the hell is this guy doing on this show. He doesn't know anything about politics. It has nothing to do with any of this conversation. Uh, anyway, we'll take some calls. Eight hundred nine four one Sean. We'll also get to the fake news. You notice they're going after Larry Kudlow now. That's the new thing. He doesn't have a Ph.D. in economics. This guy was the chief economist for the Reagan administration, uh, for Bear Stearns. The Fed used him as their economist. Nobody has a bigger track record as an economist. Well, but he doesn't have a Ph.D. in it. You know, if he did, he'd be Paul Krugman, like a nutty professor who never gets anything right. But uh, we'll take some more calls in a minute. 800-941-SEAN. Also, Lou Dobbs coming up. Ann Coulter will be with us. Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. 
Hannity Headline. A bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you anywhere you go. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com. Hey, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. We got lots to talk about. Oh, one of my favorite stories. You know, the inaugural, a big inauguration is January 20th. You know, our governor here in New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, big Democrat, uh, he booked 200 hotel rooms for the inauguration in Washington, D.C. Now, I bet you a couple of weeks ago, everybody was calling him. All He's uh, one of the ringleaders of all the Democratic uh, donors, everybody. I bet he was telling them, I don't know. Look, I only got 200 rooms. I, you're going to have to wait. We're going to have to see who can come. I only got 200 rooms. Good for him. Now he's stuck with 200 empty hotel rooms. I don't know what the hell he's going to do with him. Hey, you you know, you want, that's a big deal in Washington. It's inauguration weekend. Very tough to get a reservation. I guarantee you you got to put down a huge deposit to get a hotel room for the inauguration weekend. That's a big deposit. You want 200 rooms? I guarantee you that's a monumental deposit that has to be put down. Now, I don't know what happens. I don't know that he gets all that money back. I'm sure it was a fortune just on that deposit. I don't know where it came from. I don't think it's taxpayer money, but probably a lot of donor money. That is the best. The two best things that happened were uh, him with his 200 hotel rooms he doesn't know what to do with, and Boeing. You know, you might say, um, well, if that Boeing bill for the new Air Force One, if that was supposed to be uh, $2 billion at the most, why, why would they mark it up to $4.2 billion? Because they absolutely, a thousand percent, assumed Hillary Clinton would be president. Hillary Clinton and Boeing are very tight. Boeing is one of her biggest contributors. They knew they could mark that bill up to anything and she would sign it. Two billion? Eh, make it four. You know what? Make it 4.2 billion. They knew she would sign any bill they sent. They never imagined Donald Trump. Boeing never in their life thought they'd end up with a president who has spent his whole adult life buying airplanes and know what knows what things cost. A president that once owned an airline knows exactly what things cost. And two days later, look who's uh, suddenly up there on the uh, uh, Trump Tower being interviewed. Alan Mulally. You know, you kept hearing he was the president of Ford. Remember he was being interviewed? They forgot to mention former CEO of Boeing. I bet he said, hey, uh, take a look at this bill. Tell me uh, exactly what's going on here. I bet he could tell him exactly how it got marked up. So not a good day for them. Hey, it's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Uh, check out my Twitter, Mark Simone NY at Twitter. You know what I put up? A little video tour of the studio. Uh, oh, also, we got that George Stephanopoulos' wife. Did you see that? It's Stephanopoulos' wife. Imagine these two wacky parents, she said. Our 11-year-old can't sleep. She's so frightened of Donald Trump. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine when you were a kid, you couldn't sleep? I'm so frightened of Bush Sr. Oh, I can't sleep. Back in a moment. Hey, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. we got a lot coming up. Lou Dobbs will be with us. Larry Kudlow will be with us. Ann Coulter will be with us. Uh, we'll take some calls, 800-941-SEAN is the number. You know what's uh, really annoying? The inaugural of a president, it's a wonderful parade, very majestic, uh, traditional inaugural parade. But then at night they have the big gala. You remember Obama? It was Stevie Wonder. It was Aretha Franklin. Uh, even you go back to John F. Kennedy, it was Sinatra and every star in the world. Well, Hollywood, very liberal. 
Uh, nobody will come to this inaugural. Uh, and there are there are conservatives uh, in the music business, singers, and the, but they uh, they're they're afraid. They're all being threatened. Uh, we'll boycott you. Even Andre Bocelli, he loves Trump. He said he would do it. Getting threats all over the place. We'll boycott all your concerts. He has to pull out. Uh, I love Ted Nugent and Kid Rock, but you, listen, you can't have a heavy metal inaugural. I don't know. That's, uh, so I don't know what you do here. They're talking about scaling it back. They got the uh, who's that? They got that girl from America's Got Talent. That's not a star-studded show, uh, but somebody called my show this morning. I think this is the idea. You make it. Forget you announce no celebrities, no Hollywood uh, anything. We're going to do an American inaugural. You invite military bands, church choirs, uh, some of the best. Singers, you know, you go to these churches and uh, local places, you can find some amazing talent. You do a show like that. There is uh, some of the great military bands. Uh, all right, you know, when they play blurred lines with the military band, it doesn't sound great, but uh, it's patriotic. You know, they just do patriotic songs. Anyway, let's take some calls. Let's go to uh, Jeff in Troy, Ohio. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Well, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, how you doing? Um, Good. Or, uh, I- I think the election was rigged, and uh, you're talking about uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Yeah, I think everything was rigged. Well, what was rigged? Um, I think the Russians hacked it. Hillary should have won. She won the popular uh, vote. All right, all right, but just I, I'm I don't understand it all. What did the Russians hack? Okay, actually, I'm totally messing with you. Oh, Donald See, Trump. I, sa- I'm a, I said we wanted I'm a, a liberal to explain this hacking. And apparently nobody yeah. can explain it. So all we get is you, well, Mr. April who Fool's are here. The Seventeen agencies that supposedly said they were hacked. Well, I looked it up, and I cannot find that on. We have seventeen anywhere. intelligence agencies, but there aren't seventeen agencies that looked at this. There's only one CIA report. Seventeen agencies agreed to uh, sign off on it, but it's uh, it's basically just one agency. It's uh, what's his name, Brennan, the CIA director, who works for Obama. Uh, who was told to say this? James Comey, FBI director, twice uh, told people there's no evidence of any hacking. And then somehow, uh, President Obama got a hold of him the next day. Definitely, definitely hacking. Uh, we have to wait until January 21st when James Comey can finally talk and tell us what the heck was going on. What uh, what were they doing to him? You remember, twice he was about to go after Hillary and indict her. Both times he had to change his story. So uh, January 21st. Comey will finally tell us what the hell was going on in this Obama administration. Uh, anyway, 800-941-SEAN is the number. Is this the Naked Cowboy, the real one? This is He's a big uh, fixture, a landmark in New York. He uh, is actually a naked cowboy, plays the guitar in Times Square, big tourist attraction. He's moved to a Trump Tower, I think. Naked Cowboy, are you there? Yes, sir. I listen to your show every morning. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Well, where do you keep the radio? You're naked. Where, uh... it's, on, it's on my horse. Oh, God. Uh, and uh, I, I thought, did you move to Trump Tower? Absolutely. I've been there almost. You know, I just had the idea to put the Trump on my underwear. I call it Trump Rump. Oh, my God. And I went uh, over there several months before the election and got on, on bandwagon. My father's uh, president pro tem of the Republican Party in Cincinnati. Oh, so he's proud of you. Up around it and, uh, but I've been in Trump before. Tower a couple times last few weeks. I haven't seen you out there. Of course, it's 30 yeah, degrees. Every single morning now for almost oh, 70-something days, they let me in and out of the building, my underwear, up and down. I mean, made friends with everybody there, just yeah. singing my Trump song in and out of the bar. And 
has been a haven of publicity and just a, you know on a, a platform to just support the man. I just love him. I always have. Oh, hey, it's like thirty degrees in New York. How do you do the uh, naked stuff in that kind of weather? Well, like I said, I go to the Trump bar first. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean you know, you just I do it like an hour at a time. Even the other day in the thirty, what twenty degrees, I. You know, it's 40 minutes, two times, and yeah. I go there, and then I go to Times Square in the evening. Oh, okay. Same, I, I'm, same I'm never there at Trump Tower in the morning. That's why I don't see you. But uh, uh, what's the strangest thing that's happened to you? You have millions of tourists come up to you all the time. Uh, last, well, it wasn't last week. Two weeks ago, I went in the elevator. Well, like a gentleman who uh, runs a, a Hillfigure uh, suit company on the 18th floor, and he befriended yeah. him. He took me up there to use the restroom upstairs. Uh-huh. And I got in, and Height Camp, I guess the name Height Camp, the North Dakota senator walked in right after me, not reeling I was in there. Uh-huh. And, you know, just again, it's another world news thing, and just funny. You know, she was tweeting that she likes all cowboys, but never saw one like this one. And just good, you know, it's a lot of funny situations like that. All right, naked cowboy, keep up the good work. Thanks for being well, with us. You. Yeah, he's actually naked. He's a, he's a nice-looking guy, and he wears a cowboy hat, otherwise naked, and he plays the guitar. He what? Oh, yeah, well, uh, for the inauguration, listen, he's good. I don't know uh, if you want to close with that, though. Uh, but here in New York, uh, you can have a naked cowboy singing and playing the guitar. Nobody looks. Nobody pays it. But the tourists love him. They go crazy over him. Hey, if you're in New York for Christmas, Trump Tower is a spectacular place. Uh, if you go downstairs, they got uh, the little kiosk where they sell the Trump hats and all the Trump shirts and all that stuff. And then there's a like a big uh, cafe there where you go up to the counter, you can order whatever you want. It's pretty good. And then uh, in the back, in the back is a real restaurant, the Trump Grill. It's excellent. Don't believe that Vanity Fair hit piece, that Trump Grill. I eat there a lot. It's got one of the best hamburgers in New York. It's got that taco bowl. You remember that famous picture? That is one of the most delicious things. I'm told it's like a million calories, but you, don't, you can't have it all the time, but it's Absolutely delicious. So uh, the Vanity Fair editor, Graydon Carter, hates Trump. He's a crazy liberal, this Graydon Carter. So he ordered a guy to go down there and write a vicious review of the Trump Grill. The guy wrote this awful, ridiculous, fake news review, called it the worst restaurant in New York. And again, I'm telling you, I eat there once or twice a month. It's excellent. So don't believe this review. You know that the editor, this editor of Vanity Fair has had three restaurants, every one of them a total disaster, either closed, sold, or got him the hell out of there. Uh, let's go to uh, uh, Brian in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hey, Brian. Hey, good afternoon. Yes, Brian. Uh, love listening to you guys. Love uh, hearing the truth. Um, I'm so tired of hearing all the excuses that, that we've heard uh, for their incompetence on this election. Um, you know, I'm so tired of hearing how we're racist, how we, you know, the Russians, you know, it's, it's the, the, the Republican rich, the, you know, the witch hunt that we've heard since the 90s from the Clintons. And, you know, the, 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 the failed, uh, their failed approach to reach us, to tell us why we should even vote for them. It was just horrible. Yeah, I agree. You know, I've heard. You know, the election was hacked by the Russians, but they can't provide any proof or any evidence. And it's a very dangerous game that Obama's playing, that he, you know, we're, we're, we're asking, you know, for trouble when he says stuff like that. We can't acknowledge the fact that we have radical Islam, but we can acknowledge we can go after the Russians on a, on a lame, just, just a lame 
well, proof of evidence. No, no evidence. Yeah, no, you said it best. It's just, it's just a game. What's the date today? The twentieth. I think it's the twentieth. So January twentieth is inauguration day. One month, four weeks. This nightmare will be over. You'll have President Trump four weeks from now. You won't have to hear about any crazy supposed Russian hacking. Does anybody even still understand this fake news story? What exactly is this fake news? I have no idea. Is, is, was there any fake news? Did anybody ever see it? I keep hearing some story about a pizza, one pizza place in Washington. It was a sex ring. It wasn't a sex ring. If that was the fake news story, I don't know anybody ever actually saw it, worried about it. Uh, where was that fake story? I, I mean, I remember seeing it on a couple of websites. But who paid attention to it? That, that had absolutely no effect on the election. You had maybe three fake news stories that nobody saw. You had 52 million totally ridiculously biased, embellished hit pieces on Trump. I would think that had a bigger effect than two fake news stories nobody ever saw. This crazy Facebook has now said they will begin to fact check all the stories you post. And they will label them if they think they're fake news. They will actually label it saying fact checkers dispute the story. Now, who have they chosen as fact checkers? I think it's basically three organizations. Two of them are the most ridiculously biased uh, organizations in the world. One is called Snopes. Snopes is these two slobs uh, and their cat. You didn't? Have you ever seen them? Oh, I go to my Twitter and scroll down. I have a picture of these two idiots, these two large slobs, uh, and they're large. Even the cat is overweight. They live in an apartment in Michigan or someplace. They, they, they run this Snopes out of their garage. It's Mark Simone NY at Twitter. I'm just telling you, scroll down, look at the picture of these two idiots. You'll never look at Snopes again. And it's not just me saying this. Many people have checked their record. They are ridiculously biased. And then you've got the PolitiFact and FactCheck.org. They both used to be pretty good, but in the last year, they have slanted and distorted things uh, and just lied through their teeth about a million things. I could, I could run down examples. Uh, you know, here's another thing. Uh, I think it was James Toronto in the Wall Street Journal wrote an excellent column about these sites, PolitiFact and Snopes, where one time they took a statement that a Republican made and they said, definitely false. We rate that false. What they didn't know was earlier, like a year before, a Democrat had made the same statement, and they rated it true. And they've done that a number of times. When the Republican says it, it gets rated false. When the Democrat says it, it gets rated mostly true. Linda, what are you laughing at? Did you see the picture? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's really bad. Right. I had, first, I had to scroll through the other video of the woman who's crazy in the pink top. Oh. Flipping the bird. What story is that? I don't remember, but it's it's Mark Simone NY at Twitter. And then scroll down till you see the Snopes people. Now, Linda saw the picture. Just tell me about these two people. Would you trust them on anything? Clearly they love their cat. It's a very large cat. Oh. Yeah. It looks like it looks like the cat may be getting in on some of the uh approval of the stories. I don't know. I went to this with somebody the other day because I put something up and the guy guy wrote to me, he says, Oh no, Snopes says it's not true. You know, he thinks Snopes is like the 43rd and 44th floor of a skyscraper here in Manhattan and hundreds of people at the computer terminals. It's these two slobs. You will admit. No, yeah, am I being uh, unfair? I mean, if that's their best photo, it says a lot. These are two slobs 
It looks like Roseanne and her husband, doesn't it? And a big fat cat on a bad-looking couch somewhere in the Midwest, and they run this Snopes out of their laptop. I, I think what's more funny is that her sweater matches the pillow, and then the couch is like in a in a crocheted pink blanket, and the cat is in the guy's hair. I don't know what's happening here. So how could Facebook say, this will be our fact checker? These two idiots, these two lunatics are the fact checkers for Facebook. And then the other uh, one or two organizations, uh, if you want some credibility, they are funded in part by George Soros. So now you know how balanced they are. We know you never want to miss the Sean Hannity Show. And now you never have to. Just sign up for Hannity Headlines, a bite-sized version of the show that you can take with you on your laptop, your mobile phone, everywhere you go, even to your liberal in-laws place in Vermont. So, um... Yeah. And after a few hours of that, you'll be glad you brought Sean along. To sign up today for Hannity Headlines, go to Hannity.com. Hey, welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. So uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, this is the main problem they're facing. Theirs is a world of money, donations, billionaires catering to them, doing them favors. The problem is, if it doesn't look like you're ever going to be elected to anything ever again, all of that vanishes. Trump, uh, the uh, Clinton Foundation, all the donations have stopped. There are no more donors. You know, for years, uh, when they want to go somewhere, pick up the phone, call any billionaire. You know, I could I borrow your plane? I just need, oh, sure, here's, here's my jet. Take it wherever you want. All of that ends. If they're not going to be serving in office anymore and can't uh, do things for people, nothing else. So uh, she quietly floated the idea of running for mayor of New York next year. There's going to be an election here. She just felt a few people out on it. So I don't think that went anywhere. Now uh, you'll notice that she's uh, making noise about running in 2020. She's actually mentioned it a couple of times, running in 2020. That's to keep the donations flowing. Uh, That's to keep the uh, planes coming. Uh, you know, if they need to, you know, when they take that vacation, we'll go stay at the, the billionaire's house in the Hamptons or uh, Martha's Vineyard. That's to keep uh, the money flowing. It's got to look like she's going to run for something. You saw uh, her passing out in the street now. Imagine four years from now how healthy she'll be. So I don't think she can get it through her head. She's run twice. The first time a rookie beat her, a total rookie, Barack Obama. The second time she ran, a total amateur Never run for anything in his life. Wiped her out completely. So I, I just don't see how she could ever beat anybody. She's got to get it through her head. Anyway, when we come back, Lou Dobbs will be with us. Uh, we'll talk about the transition, the cabinet, who's coming in. Uh, Larry Kudlow, a lot of talk about him. We'll get to him in the next hour. And Ann Coulter just ahead. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Podcast. Hey, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Now, uh, on my TiVo, I only got a couple things on my TiVo that I record every night. One, uh, Hannity, of course, 10 o'clock, Fox News Channel, and Lou Dobbs, 7 o'clock, Fox Business Network. The best political analyst uh, analysis of what's going on. And uh, here's the host of the show, Lou Dobbs. How are you? Great to be with you, Mark. I'm doing good. Hey, also, you have covered business for years. You've covered politics for years. Uh, you combine the two, and you get this Trump 
cabinet. What do you think of the transition, uh, the, the cabinet picks so far? Well, I, I get a kick out of uh, out of all of the the the, the fleas that keep uh, dogging uh, the president elect, uh, and they just keep getting smaller and smaller. The idea that they would go after this uh, this team of uh, what I consider just an astounding team of doers that he's assembled for his cabinet shows you just how small-minded the left is becoming and shrinking every day. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't know a lot of these people. You probably know uh, Rex Tillerson and these these CEOs and the and these generals. They live in a world of just get it done. There's no excuses. Uh, uh, there's no maybe and no take 10 more meetings. Just get it done. And uh, that's an entirely different approach to government. An entirely different approach. And they understand that what they're doing is consequential. They're used to making decisions, making tough decisions, and understanding they'll have to live with the consequences and that they will be held accountable. Every single one of these people, in, in, irrespective of their walk of life, whether generals, whether surgeons, uh, uh, whether CEOs, they understand what it means to make a decision and live with the consequences, which is just the inverse of everything that we're seeing in the Obama administration for eight years. Yeah. I've read a lot of criticism, though, that uh, this cabinet now has like a net worth of $50 billion. Uh, uh, were we supposed to be thrilled with the Obama cabinet that they all made like a dollar fifty? And uh, Yeah, uh, you, get the, you get the feeling, don't you, that success is just – something that government shouldn't shouldn't strive for uh, how why would why would donald trump bring in all these people who actually do things actually succeed who get lucky when they think don't make excuses and set an objective and achieve it i mean do we really want a government like that the answer is hell yes we do and we've been waiting for a very long time well you know there are a lot of people who always said if we get these including me, you get the real talent in the private sector to come into government. It could really make a difference. Uh, is there any chance this won't work, that there's something they don't know about the government? Well, there's a lot that they don't know about government. But we've also seen proof positive that knowing something about government doesn't assure or even uh, suggest success, does it? Uh, I mean, look at the people that have been – I mean, Kerry's been in government his whole life. The Clintons in government their whole lives – do we really want to try that particular model again? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, we do know that the, the men and women of this cabinet have achieved success on the strength of their, their imaginations, their intellects, their courage, their hearts. And we do want them in government. And, and I, for one, say thank you for bringing them in to government. And, I'm, and I tell you, I say thank you to Donald J. Trump. For giving up a, a, the life, the comfort, uh, and all of the freedom of being uh, a, a billionaire in his own right uh, to serve the to serve the nation. I mean, this is a big moment in our history. Yeah. Hey, uh, Lou Dobbs, it should be pointed out you were uh, kind of an inspiration for Donald Trump. It was back in the 2000s. You started talking about these bad trade agreements, the middle class is forgotten, all of the themes that he began to use. And he picked up on it. He said uh, he picked up on what you were doing. What, what, what is it about the Democrats that they didn't hear what you were saying? Did they just not want to hear it? I think the Democrats were so committed to creating a, and furthering a culture of dependency that they couldn't even imagine what uh, it, it meant to have a middle class that was being strangled, uh, a, a middle class where the American dream resides, uh, suffocating under 
uh, these reduced opportunities, uh, a, a government that didn't give a damn about them would spend trillions of dollars uh, in, in creating, in fact, more dependency, sustaining dependency, rather than creating uh, more small business, more jobs, and more wealth. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing that Donald Trump emerges from all of this and stands up for the working man and woman, the working man and woman's family, uh, our middle class, the American dream, because the Republican Party, Mark, remember, was not exactly famous for reaching out and putting their arms around a working man or woman in this country either. Yeah. He has changed everything. Well, we're talking with Lou Dobbs. You should watch him every night, 7 o'clock, Fox Business Network, uh, and then it's repeated again, uh, 10 o'clock at night, right? Correct. Yeah, Eastern time. And 11. And 11. Um, you know, I, if you went back two months in a time machine, you could pick up the paper or watch uh, MSNBC. They would explain to you that the Republican Party is finished uh, because of the demographic makeup of the country. They could never win the electoral vote ever again. Uh, they're completely wiped out. Uh, they represent nobody anymore. Look how fast this all turned around. It's incredible, isn't it? And and it's going to keep turning. Uh, this is uh, Donald Trump is a man who's shown he's not afraid to to turn the orthodoxy upside down to go after the establishment and uh, you know kick the status quo in the rear end. Uh, he's reaching out now to uh, inner cities, uh, African American young people, all African Americans. He he will contest he will contest with the Democrats for every single vote in the inner city from here on. The Republican Party will as well. The uh, the culture of dependency that the left built up in this country, they thought, was uh, sufficient. I mean, the insult from the left, Mark, I truly believe has been beyond comprehension and tolerance. Uh, they have insulted uh, African Americans, uh, the Hispanics, every minority, saying that without government, you can't survive, you can't prosper, you can't grow. When we know, in point of fact, that that opportunity is created in our free market, free enterprise system, and unfettered, real talent, real minds grow, develop, and it, and our schools, uh, our businesses become really the great equalizers in our society. Yeah, hey, Dobbs, you've been really good at reading uh, James Comey. You go back a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. he was saying there's no evidence of any hacking, there's no evidence of any. Now all of a sudden, definitely hacking. Uh, this is not the first flip flop. What would you would you keep James Comey uh, if uh, you were Donald Trump? Not for a New York second. Uh, this is a this is an institution. I, I mean, a storied agency, and the leadership of the agency has been a disaster over the last ten years. Uh, they have failed. Uh, they have created apparently a culture of failure. Uh, they oppress their agents rather than free them up to go after the bad guys, whether it be in terms of law enforcement, which they've all but abandoned, or whether it be in the war on terror. Uh, we've got to make that agency work. Uh, the agents are the best in the world. Uh, the leadership has to be, I would say, uh, amongst the worst in our government. And that's really got to change quickly. What would you do with the CIA you know, or these intelligence agencies? Some vague uh, talk about hacking. Nobody can pinpoint anything. Yeah, I, I, I would say the day of you coming to the American people in public and saying you have a high confidence of anything, uh, you should shut your mouths. Uh, it's a covert agency. It needs to behave as a responsible covert agency and not a political uh, organization, which is what it's been reduced to 
under John Brennan, un, under the uh, Obama administration. It is disgusting. It's appalling uh, I, I, that, that this has happened. Uh, President Obama bears horrible responsibility for it, and uh, it, it's got to be changed. I have every confidence that Donald Trump will change it uh, instantly when he uh, takes the oath of office and uh, walks into the Oval Office to begin considering our way forward. You know, uh, also, there's a new uh, ambassador to Israel, a new choice, uh, and every uh, government person is telling this is awful, this guy's crazy, this is terrible, this is the worst. Uh, last time at a party, you got every leader of the Jewish community, uh, the leading Jewish publishers, uh, uh, they're all telling me they love this guy. They think he's a great choice. Yeah, and, and Donald Trump has already pledged uh, that uh, the, the Jerusalem will be the site of the new U.S. embassy, uh, and that means it will be. So that that part of the discussion is over. The real issue is uh, his confirmation as ambassador, and if there are Republicans who oppose him, uh, I think they will do so at immense peril to their political futures. Uh, this is a decision that's been made by Donald Trump, and it's going forward, and people had better get used to leadership that doesn't pander, leadership that does not uh, retreat in the face of opposition, uh, this is a man who's demonstrated who he is, how strong his views and, and his character is. Uh, and I think we're in for quite yeah. a demonstration over the course of the next, I, I'm going to say, eight years. Yeah. So this old guard, what is it? Are they just operating under the impression that everything has been just great? Just keep it the way it is? Uh, this old guard, uh, you know, and that's a great point. Uh, this old guard is a tired old guard. Uh, they really think that they are in their positions of power and influence wherever they are in government uh, and that the status quo is for them and uh, everyone else be damned. Those days are over. Uh, this this government is about to be for the people. When Donald Trump says that, he means it. He said, never again will our middle class, working men and women, will their voices fall on deaf ears in government. Yeah. And that, and I mean, that's that's got a joyous ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Did you ever think you'd actually live to see this? I, you know, I wondered if I would. I, I, I won't say that I doubted it, uh, but I sure did wonder. Uh, it, and uh, you know, you mentioned the books that I've written on these subjects. Uh, they started in 2004, uh, and I'd been reporting on it for a couple of years before that. So you know, it's taken a good decade to get here. Yeah. One was, uh, but man, did we get here, huh? One was called Independence Day. Mm-hmm. And there was the what was the book about the middle class that uh, the war on the middle class. The, go get this book, the war on the middle class. You'll think this was written yesterday by Donald Trump, <laughs> but it was uh, years ago by That's Lou Dobbs. That's high flattery. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, and watch Lou Dobbs tonight, seven o'clock, and every weeknight, seven o'clock on the Fox Business Network. Uh, and Lou Dobbs, thanks for being with us. Great to be with you as always, Mark. All right, thanks so much. Take care. Uh, we'll, we'll take some calls in a minute. Eight hundred. 941-SEAN is the number, 800-941-SEAN. Hey, at the bottom of the hour, Larry Kudlow, he's being talked about by a lot of people for the Trump team. Larry Kudlow will be with us, Ann Coulter later, Mark Simone here. Uh, uh, check out my Twitter, Mark Simone NY on Twitter, and we'll take some more calls in a minute. Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. The biggest stories of the day with solutions to help move America forward. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Well, it's the Sean Hannity Show. Sean was supposed to be here, but there was Russian hacking, and uh, it's me. I don't know what happened. It's Mark Simone here for uh, Sean Hannity. 
Uh, we got a new uh, Trump uh, pick for Secretary of the Army. It's uh, National Hockey League's Florida Panthers owner, Vince Viola. Great guy. He's from New York. He's a billionaire. And uh, I know everybody says, what is it with these billionaires? Oh, why, why these billionaires? Well, it turns out, uh, no matter what business you go into, if you're incredibly good at it, you'll become very wealthy. Doesn't matter what the uh, field is, what the business is. If you're a genius, next thing you know, you're making a fortune. So that's how you end up with all these billionaires. They're the best in their business. Look at this Linda here, the producer, getting her MBA. You know, I got out of college. Couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Oh, I hated every second of it. Uh, as soon as I graduated, don't ever call me. Don't write to me. Uh, they didn't listen. I get these you know, emails, letters, or you want to make a donation. No, I keep writing back. I never want to hear from you again. Don't bother me. Linda, you're out of school. Why would you go back? You went back? Who would go back to school? She's getting an MBA. Who can talk to her anymore? Uh, it's that awful. is not true. We just had a lovely conversation. I know what the you hell just you understand said. what I said. That's all. She said like five things about oh, what are you going to do uh, with this MBA? She explained me. What did you say? Capital uh, uh, something. Uh, the perfunctory needs of the capitalist mark. I don't even know what the heck that is. The perfunctory needs of the capitalist. This is there's going to be no talking to her anymore. Uh, you're going to stop with this one MBA, right? This is it. I'm done. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, speaking of which. Larry Kudlow is one of the greatest economists in the world. He was a big part of the Reagan administration as an economist. You know, on Wall Street, all the top firms, Bear Stearns, he was not just an economist, chief economist, uh, the Fed uh, economist. You couldn't have a more impressive track record as an economist. So now that uh, everybody's talking, he should be in the cabinet, he should be in the cabinet. You know, this fake news stories, they always go after everybody. So there was one of them. Uh, he doesn't have a Ph.D. Yeah, that's how you know he knows what he's doing. You know who has a Ph.D. in that? Paul Krugman. You know the cross-eyed guy in the New York Times, that bug-eyed, crazy-looking guy? That's who has a Ph.D. And we have a Ph.D. in economics, as an economist. What do you end up doing? Being a professor at some college with chalk all over you, talking to some students. Uh, uh, Alan Greenspan, uh, when he first took over the uh, council for the Ford administration, he didn't have a Ph.D. I mean, he, you know, uh, that's like saying, oh, Sean Hannity, no, can't do a radio show. He doesn't have a Ph.D. You have to have a Ph.D. in radio. Uh, hey, that's one reason I didn't like college. Uh, I went to a college that's considered the best broadcasting school, but I was also working in some great radio stations, and the best in the business were teaching me radio. And then I'd go listen to the professor, and I realized, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And he'd say... You know, if you want to really work on a radio station, you can't do it this way. You better do it that way. But I was really working on a radio station. They said, don't do it that way. That doesn't make any sense. So there's a real-world experience where you really know what you're doing, and there's the academic uh, who has no clue what he's doing. So, uh, Linda, you'll see. You know, these MBA professors teaching you all this stuff. Well, way to get out there in the real world. And uh, Anyway, when we come back, uh, speak of the devil, Larry Kudlow will be with us. We'll talk to him. We've got Ann Coulter coming up. It's Mark Simone here for uh, Sean Hannity, and we'll take some uh, calls a little later. Follow me on Twitter, Mark Simone NY at Twitter. Oh, well, Instagram too, Mark Simone NY at Instagram. Larry Kudlow coming up next on the Sean Hannity Show. Check out the show 24 7. Download it to your iPod. Be a Hannity Insider at Hannity.com.
Well, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. We got uh, lots coming up. Uh, Larry Kudlow, you know the name, of course, one of the nation's top economists for decades, whether it was the biggest firms on Wall Street, the Reagan administration, the Fed, uh, CNBC. Of course, you see him there now, and uh, and uh, it's always great to have him with us. Larry Kudlow, how are you? Hey, Mark. How are you? Thank you. As, uh, listen, you've been a, an informal advisor to Donald Trump on the economy for a long time. Uh, I'm looking at Forbes magazine. The headline is, Larry Kudlow is the best choice for chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. That's huh. that's Forbes magazine. I don't that's think I've even seen that one. Oh, you haven't? Is that today? Uh, Linda, where is this from? Uh, December 18th. Wow. Uh, by David uh, Banson. Oh, David Bonson. Bonson. Yeah. Larry Kudlow is the best choice for chairman of Council of Economic Advisors. Maybe someone will send it to me. I appreciate that oh. very much. Very kind. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is not from People magazine. This is from <laughs> Forbes. This is pretty good. Uh, listen, a lot of people feel that way. Uh, and then he writes about, you know, whenever Trump, uh, uh, the Trump organization, uh, is talking about anybody, they come up with these fake news stories that mean nothing. And they mention the article, oh, but it doesn't have a Ph.D., you know, I always find if somebody has a Ph.D., you better go get somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I have nothing against Ph.D.s. No, but if you want an economist with a Ph.D., you end up with, like, nutty Paul Krugman or something. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <clears throat> it's just, um, you know, some of these attacks. Um, it, first of all, I, I, no one's, I have no job. No one's offered me anything, and I, I can't comment on any of that. But uh, all these people kind of coming at me because I don't have a Ph.D. in economics. Um, it's just really ideological, philosophical dispute. I mean, heck, as you said, I've been the chief economist of some very large Wall Street firms, Bear Stearns and Payne Weber. Uh, I was the chief economist of Reagan's Budget Bureau, the Office of Management and Budget. Uh, I, would call, I would call these qualifications. That's qualifications. <laughs> I also worked and really learned to be a workaday economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York yeah. uh, at the beginning of my career. And, of course, I've been covering the economics beat for CNBC and for radio for many, many years. Uh, I, I'm not a guy. I don't toot my own horn. Uh, I just think that, you know, in this case, these are really kind of cheap shots. And uh, if people have a philosophical disagreement <laughs> on supply-side tax cuts or free markets, fine, let's discuss that. But don't tell me I don't have any qualifications uh, to uh, help Mr. Trump in the economics area. Don't tell me that. Yeah. Uh, also, let me read the headline again. Forbes magazine. Larry Kudlow is the best choice for chairman of Council of Economic Advisors. Uh, pretty impressive. So uh, that's like saying uh, Sean Hannity really can't do a radio show. He doesn't have a, <laughs> doesn't have a Ph.D. in radio. Can't do. <laughs> well, Thank you. I appreciate that, Mark. I really do. Hey, uh, let me just ask you, the market did not make 20000 right. They came pretty close. Uh, what does all this mean? Well, I mean, it's a nice benchmark. Other than that, it probably doesn't mean all that much. Um, we're in a post-election bull market. A lot of people call it the Trump rally. Um, I think that what the stock market's been telling us, you know, since November 8th is that Mr. Trump's policies – on lower taxes and regulations and uh, repealing Obamacare and unshackling energy are really pro-growth policies that will be great for the economy, great for jobs, great for profits, great for business. And I have said before, Trump is going to end the Obama war against business. 
I mean, President Obama, I'm sorry to say, uh, has waged war against business and investors. Uh, Hillary Clinton ran against businesses and investors and successful people, and Trump's going to put an end to that. And I think all those reasons, economic growth and policies, have a lot to do with the late-year rally in stocks, which I think will continue. There are going to be corrections. There are always 5 to 10% pullbacks, no question. But in terms of that benchmark, I think we'll beat it. Now, Larry Kudlow, you were a big part of the Reagan administration. People may not remember, when Reagan got elected, it was a lot of the same thing. All these people saying this is the worst thing that ever happened. Uh, he's going to be crazy. He's going to start a war. He's going to uh, the whole country is going to be on fire. Uh, <laughs> all that went on during the Reagan uh, first year. Not only, I mean, as a guy who came in, I did the original numbers in the Reagan transition with my dear friend John Rutledge, and we were supply siders and free market guys, and we showed that lower tax rates across the board would boost the economy. So, you know, we were slammed left and right. And, of course, President Reagan was slammed constantly. So it is somewhat reminiscent uh, of what's happening with uh, President-elect Trump. Um, all I'll say is if you go back in history, I got a book out about this with Brian Dimitrovic called JFK and the Reagan Revolution. JFK was the first supply cider, and it worked. Economy grew at 5% in the 1960s, and Ronald Reagan was the second. He duplicated JFK. Uh, and he gave JFK credit, the Democrat, and Reagan. It worked. Economy has grown nearly 5% in the 80s and the 90s, for that matter. So for the naysayers out there, hey, look, let's take a look at history. When we've tried these things, it has worked. Yeah, now this, this is a fascinating book. You should read this book because when Reagan uh, came up with these policies, Everybody, the New York Times, everybody was writing, this is crazy, uh, helped the, what a terrible policy, not realizing JFK had started this. And Larry Kudlow's written a book called JFK and the Reagan Revolution. We'll show you how uh, these are really democratic ideas, uh, the old kind of Democrats, that Reagan adopted and made work. It's a, And I'm glad you wrote that book because people don't get that connection. It's really, uh, it was a lot of fun, and my co-author's a brilliant guy, Brian Dimitrovic, but it's a story that's never really been told. I mean, a handful of us knew about this, but it's never been told to the general public, and that's why we enjoyed it. The book's selling very well, uh, thanks to everyone. And JFK turned around, uh, actually, Eisenhower policies. I mean, Republicans were against tax cuts, but interestingly, a Republican Treasury Secretary named Douglas Dillon advised JFK to ignore his Council of Economic Advisors, which wanted big spending programs. They put that in. It didn't work. He said, try lowering tax rates. The top rate in those days was 91%. And he said it will create incentives for everybody to grow and march towards full employment. And Kennedy did it, and it did work. Now, you know, tragically assassinated in late 63, um, he passed the House and before he was assassinated, then LBJ finished it off in early 64. And it worked under Ronald Reagan. So Democrats have written JFK out of their history. It's a weird thing. Yeah. There's no reason why Democrats can't be pro-growth, pro-success, um, pro-incentives. Uh, you know, one of their greatest figures, John F. Kennedy, did it, and it worked. Yeah, it's a great book, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, uh, and you'll love it. Now, uh, the way that Donald Trump picked up the phone, called the chairman of uh, Carrier, uh, let's work something out. Wasn't Kennedy a lot like that? He would just 
pick up the phone and call the CEO. Come to the White House. Let's figure this out. That's correct. That's correct. Um, you know, with mixed results, on the whole, he did pretty well. Um, U.S. Steel was one of the big uh, cases at that time. It's funny. Kennedy did this to try to persuade people in business to work with him that his plans will work. And Kennedy, by the way, wanted a strong dollar uh, to uh, keep inflation out, and he wanted lower tax rates to promote economic growth. And I see this with Mr. Trump. It's very interesting. He's calling Carrier, and he's called some other firms. He's basically saying, look, don't jump ship now. Don't move out of the country now, because in a matter of weeks and months, we're going to put together a business tax cut for large and small businesses that will keep you here. You won't want to leave America. You want to be here in the U.S. because we'll have the most pro-business, hospitable investment environment. And interesting, Mark, another point, if you lower business taxes, and again, both large and small companies, the biggest beneficiary of Trump's plan would be not the rich. It would be middle-income wage earners, who would get higher wages, salaries, and benefits if companies are more profitable. And I think Trump is just trying to explain to these businesses, don't jump now. Stay with me because you're going to see a good policy. And I think he's absolutely right. He's dead right to do it. Yeah. Now, But what about manufacturing? Obviously, if you can pay people just pennies an hour in another country, uh, how do you stop a business from taking advantage of that? Well, that's true. It's a global, com- globally competitive world. But think, it's, you know, labor wages, first of all, in China, our, our great competitor, uh, their wages have risen quite substantially. I mean, they're, they're listing workers uh, to Bangladesh and Vietnam, so it's some sense the same problem. But it's not just that. It's also, um, we are under the rule of law. The United States is a great place to do business because of, we have a court system. We have the rule of law. Um, private companies, um, you know, can get remedies. Uh, Secondly, we have very low interest rates. Third, we're going to have very low tax rates, among the lowest in the world. Fourth, uh, we have an improving education system, great universities. uh, And also, with regard to infrastructure, uh, one of Trump's campaign pledges is to improve our infrastructure to make things better uh, for business. So it's like if you take the whole package together, uh, U.S. is going to be a great deal. And as I said, our wages are going to go up over time because of these uh, tax cuts. But why not do business in the place that has all these advantages? Yeah. Uh, well, everybody watch Larry Kudlow on CNBC and get his book. It's a really good book, JFK and the Reagan Revolution. If you didn't know that a lot of the Reaganomics came from JFK, it will surprise you. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful book. And let me read this headline again, Forbes magazine. Larry Kudlow is the best choice for chairman of Council of Economic Advisors. That's pretty good. Of course, you're not going to give up all this broadcasting fame and glory, are you? Well, Mark. you got to think about it. The Lord will direct me. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean that, too. We'll get Larry Kudlow's book, JFK and the Reagan Revolution. Thank you, Mark. You're wonderful, truly. Larry Kudlow, thanks for being with us. You bet. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, We'll take some calls in just a moment. uh, 800-941-SEAN is the number. 800 941 Sean. Hey, at the top of the hour, Ann Coulter will be with us. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Warning. This radio show is not approved by the Obama administration. We need to stop it. We need to stop it as soon as possible. 
Sean Hannity will be right back. Hey, welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Mark Simone here for Sean. Let's take a call or two. Let's go to Victor, Silver Springs, Maryland. Hey, Victor, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, one of the things I really loved about Trump was when he did his rallies and his thank you tours, he would go off on a tangent and tell stories. Yeah. And I was telling my girlfriend that he reminded me a lot of Gene Shepard, who used to be on WOR. Oh, that's our big flagship in New York, WOR. But Gene Shepard was on, this is like 1912. Who remembers this? Yeah. Um, it was like so, the 50s and 60s. Uh, so I told my girlfriend, she didn't know who he was, so I said, well, let's look him up. Well, she, she might be on, under 70. How would she know? She went on YouTube, yeah. and we found some stories, and she started laughing at a couple of the stories we listened to. Yeah, well, well, you know how to uh, liven up a relationship there, huh? Little Gene Shepard. Yep, and so, I hope the National Library for the Blind can find that, that book of his, In God We Trust All Others Pay Cash. Oh, yeah, he did write a very good book. Yeah, he read the book for the for the blind. Oh, are you blind? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I got to stop picking on you. No, but that listen, it's somebody like you who really appreciates radio, right? Yes. And Shep, uh, you, you know, uh, you must have lived in New York back then. No, I lived in New Jersey for a while, but I could get WOR when I moved down here. Yeah, WOR is our flagship in New York. Huge signal, and Gene Shepard. He was pretty good. He was an amazing guy. You couldn't do that nowadays. But no. Uh, but and some of the things he said would be considered politically incorrect now. Yeah. All right. Excellent call, Victor. Thanks for uh, calling. You see, nobody could uh, relate to this today. There was a guy on the radio. This is like the 50s and 60s. And his name was Gene Shepard. He's the guy that wrote that uh, Christmas movie. What's it called? You know about the boy with the red flyer uh, sled? Christmas story. That was, his, what his, that was his best story. It was about him. But he would come on the radio every night for an hour at 11 o'clock at night. He would tell one story about his childhood. That would last an entire hour. And he would tell it like this. And he would start the story. And a little music would play on there. And for an entire hour, he'd tell this one little anecdote. And people would sit there riveted. Now it's 2016. If you don't get to the point in like a half a millisecond, everybody's switching the dial. This guy, as big as he was, he, you, see, you see this Victor, a lot of people like him. A hundred years later, they remember him, they revere him. If you can't get to the point in four seconds now, everybody shuts you off. It's a whole different world. So I guess it, I guess it was better back. Nah, it's better today. Look at this phone. I got everything in the world. I can watch TV, watch movies, read books, do anything. It's quicker. It's better today. Hey, speaking of which, I want you once again to go to my Twitter feed because I've, I retweeted my own tweet. Uh, Facebook is going to use Snopes for fact-checking. So I put it now at the top of my Twitter feed. Snopes is not anything real. It's an amateur, homemade, ridiculously stupid website. These two slobs run it. I have a picture of them up on Twitter, Mark Simone and White Twitter. Look at their picture. They're sitting on their Roseanne Show couch. That filthy couch is the world headquarters of Snopes, and their silly-looking cat is with it. Just go look at that. Mark Simone and White Twitter, look at that picture Always picture that when you someone tells you to check Snopes. And this is ridiculous that Facebook is going to let them decide. These two slobs in California will decide what's fake news. I don't think so. Hey, uh, when we come back, Ann Coulter will be with us. It's Mark Simone for Sean Hannity.
Hey, welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Uh, with us right now, Ann Coulter, the great uh, best-selling author, columnist. You know, uh, everybody's going to write a Trump book now, but she's got the book. It's called In Trump We Trust. It's already a big bestseller. You can get it uh, on Amazon, or you can go to annculter.com. You can get it there. You can get her column there. Ann Coulter, how you doing? Fantastic. How are you, Mark Simone? Good. I don't know how you can be fantastic when our democracy has been threatened by this Russian hacking. They uh, hacked the whole by, election. And by a man called Donald J. Trump. I think Literally whole, Hitler. So uh, when they say the election was hacked, what does that mean? How could you? It wh- means we found out the truth about the Democrats. Oh, well, but. Uh, it's interesting how they never do. Uh, <laughs> they never contest the content of the WikiLeaks. But that's what it's about, that we found out. Um, you know, for example, some of the things Hillary said uh, about about saying one thing to Goldman Sachs bankers and another to to the public, um, and Donna Brazile giving her questions to debate questions. Oh, and how um, the Clintons were conspiring with the DNC, which is supposed to be neutral. It actually neither the RNC or the DNC were neutral in in this year's election. It shows you how furious the American public is with both political parties and official Washington, that Bernie Sanders, sort of nut socialist from Vermont, nearly beat the Clinton machine and the DNC, but that's part of what came out in the, in the, in the WikiLeaks. Yeah. And also Trump did beat uh, 17 competitors. You know, the only rock-solid evidence of tampering was Debbie Wasserman Schultz. We know for a fact she rigged the primaries, if not for her. Who knows? They might have had a really strong candidate, and they might have won. I was just, funny you say that. I was just talking to someone about this last night. I don't think, I mean, you can't rerun history. I don't think anybody could have, could have beaten Trump. He is the first presidential candidate uh, in, in, in all of U.S. history, the only presidential candidate, and the only presidential candidate who would say that he would build a wall on the border. He's the only presidential candidate who did or would say he would impose a Muslim ban. Uh, he's the only presidential candidate who in a million years would say he will deport illegal aliens. Um, and he won in a landslide. As, as I think we see what the American people were, were thinking about when you look at what's going on right now in, in Western Europe. I mean, besides San Bernardino, um, you know, Boston Marathon, the gay nightclub, 9-11. Um, I think everyone remembers that. Uh, at the time, that Muslim ban announced one year ago on my birthday, best birthday gift ever, uh, <laughs> Trump was denounced hysterically. I mean, that was when the Hitler stuff really started in earnest. Um, he was denounced by Reince Priebus, who's now picking Trump's cabinet for him. Um, so you can't imagine how happy I am about that. Um, yeah. Reince Priebus, Mitch McConnell, um, all of his competitors, Marco Rubio, of course, Paul Ryan, um, denounced high and low. And as polls showed, even in the states that, that where, where Trump was losing the primaries, like Wisconsin and Texas, overwhelming majorities of Republican primary voters told pollsters they supported the Muslim ban. And when you, when you see that 70% of Republican primary voters, you can say that's just Republicans, but those were the, that's 70% who were willing to tell pollsters that they agreed with a position that had been called Hitlerian across the land. Yeah, everybody's been called Hitler, 
Uh, except Hitler. That's the only one they don't call Hitler anymore. Right, but, and certainly not Stalin. Yeah. You ought to write a... That piker only killed, what, six times as many people as Hitler? It's so weird how Stalin has just been whitewashed out of history. And a thousand years from now, the only evil person who will have ever lived is Adolf Hitler. Everybody should read this book, In Trump We Trust. And you were writing this all along during the campaign. Uh, And, and you, you know, can you... Let's say somebody had Trump's blueprint and started out like that. It was also... He's like you. He doesn't back down... You know, when it was the John McCain joke or it was the comment about the Gold Star parents, he never backed down. I imagine everybody was yelling at him, you've got to apologize tonight. Stuck to his guns, and look how it paid off. Yes, look how it paid off. Although Michelle Obama does say we've entered a period of hopelessness. Uh, The good news is the hopelessness ends on January 20th. Yeah, so uh, January 21st is a Saturday. It's the uh, inaugural. Oh, it's the 21st? Well, no, uh, the Friday is the inauguration. Yeah. The parade, the ceremony. I guarantee you, he shows up for work Saturday morning, day after the inauguration, starts signing executive orders, starts undoing the old executive orders. I think by Saturday at 5 p.m., a lot will have gotten done. I agree, and a lot can be done by executive order. I was always sort of annoyed at um, the idea that there's anything wrong with executive orders per se. Uh, no, he's the executive, uh, if it's within his constitutional authority. And one of the things that was interesting about Trump, um, either because he's an executive or he is, um, as I think it's worth considering at this point, even shrewder than most people realize, is that most of what he talked about doing, uh, most of these, the most important promises he made to the American public are already 100% within the the authority of the executive branch, of the President of the United States, the Muslim ban, for example. There's a law on the books stating that the President of the United States may exclude any class of aliens whom he deems detrimental to the interests of the United States. It's already the Commander-in-Chief's duty to protect the borders, to defend the borders, um, and the Department of Defense's duty to, to build a wall if necessary. The Department of Defense, the military, has built walls, turrets, cannons, Department of Defense, that word defense does not refer to the defense of the little Syrian girl or the defense of Ukraine's borders or Crimea. It refers to the defense of the United States of America. Um, Deporting illegal aliens, any illegal aliens, they're illegal. All of this is within his authority. So we are finally going to have a president issuing executive orders that are not only constitutional and his constitutional duty to do, um, but that will allow him to fulfill the the great majority of his most important promises to the American public. Yeah, you know, and this law has been used. Remember the Iranian hostage crisis? Jimmy Carter banned Iranians. He ordered the deportation of all the Iranian students. It's been used many times. Oh, yeah, it's been used many times. Well, remember, um, I think it was in the 70s, um, Senator Lautenberg uh, had a law uh, expressly allowing Russian Jews to immigrate here. Um, and, you know, Russian Christians weren't very happy about it, um, but the idea was that Russian Jews were being, were being persecuted. Well, that was discrimination against Christians. Yeah. When you, when you read all these uh, comments about uh, his foreign policy, his uh, choices for ambassador, and this, he's going to start a war, he's going to blow up the whole world, he's got to listen to all the uh, State Department people, he's got to consult them on everything, it does sound ridiculous, doesn't it? Uh, Well, particularly with Trump, since part of his appeal was 
that, you know, the Bolsheviks seized power in part because they promised the Russian people no more war. America is tired of war. I was the biggest supporter of the Iraq war there was out there, but enough already. It didn't work. Um, it's worse than it was than when we went in. Uh, but mostly, how about a little me time for America? Americans have really been suffering, and both political parties are wild to go to war. It's just, it's just madness. You know, as someone who's, who's written a lot about the Cold War, Joe McCarthy, Algerius, um, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards, it's, it's just amazing to me that the left, the New York Times, no, they were fine with Russia back during the gulags, during Stalin's show trials, when Russians were killing Americans in Vietnam. No, it's when they won't let a gay rights parade walk down, march down Moscow, Moscow Square. Suddenly, they're the enemy. Now we've got to go to war with Russia. This, this, they're sounding like modern-day John Birchers, and there's no Soviet Union anymore. Yeah, well, they did hack the whole election. You know, you gotta, uh, <laughs> I'm so glad the Democrats are being self-reflective and really figuring out what they did wrong. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, all these uh, snowflakes, you know, on the college campuses and all these uh, Democrats whining and crying and their grief counselors. And you notice the difference between them and the billionaires like uh, Jeff Bezos. He shows up at Trump Tower last week for a meeting, says he's excited to be there. Carlos Slim. Went to dinner last night with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. One thing about these billionaires, they don't whine, they don't cry, they adapt to whatever happens and make the best of it. You're more enthusiastic about all this than I am. I'd say they attempt to co-opt. And depending on what happens, let's just hope they're not successful. Yeah. What do you think uh, the Clintons are going to do? You know, uh, Bill Clinton can keep himself busy, if you know what I mean. But uh, (laughs) Hillary Clinton has no... Nothing to go back to. No private life. She's not going to sit on the couch and watch TV for the rest of her life. What do you think she's plotting? Well, a normal person could find plenty of things to do. But for people who who enjoy bossing other people around um, and controlling our lives and imposing ridiculous feminist rules and regulations, yes, it will be tough. I can't tell you how I feel her pain, Mark. She's actually... She's made a little noise in the last few days about running in 2020. Is that even possible? Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, the Democrats are behaving after this election exactly the way the Republicans did after 2012. Um, I mean, I'm not going to gloat forever. I've set a limit of three years. Yeah. Um, but I will say, don't get, don't get too cocky, Republicans. The pendulum swings, and you read these exact same headlines about the Republicans in 2008. Yeah. Um, and again in 2012, it's at the end of the Republican Party. Um, the pendulum swings, and, and, but, it, but, but, but it's interesting that, that you see the exact same thing that happened after 2012. Remember, the RNC, led by Reince Priebus, who is apparently picking Trump's cabinet for him. No, he's not picking the cabinet. Yeah, like, other than three, well, one person, Sessions. And I like Tillerson, and that's, and that's about the end of the list of the cabinet. Well, uh, there's a lot of good not, people. No, those are the only two that would not have been picked by Jeb exclamation point. Yeah. Oh, that's, I forgot Tell about me which one would not have been picked by Jeb exclamation point. I forgot point. the exclamation point. <laughs> you remember that? Jeb! Exclamation point. I've got to do an end-of-the-year review of my, of my favorite moments. I already thought of one of them that I'd completely forgotten, um, which was uh, when Trump read Lindsey Graham's phone number aloud. Oh, yeah. 
Hey, but your book, In Trump We Trust, this is a great book about Trump. You've got to redo, you've got to add two more chapters to it. About the uh, snowflakes. Oh, wait, I was just making an important point and you distracted me. Oh, Lindsey Graham. Uh, no, it was RNC. Yeah. Um, Ryan Priebus paid, I think it was $12 million for the autopsy report. Remember the autopsy report? Yeah. Uh, so for $12 million, the Republicans came out with, they spent six months looking at it and decide we've got to push amnesty, start speaking Spanish, hire more, more Hispanics to be our spokesmen. And then the guy who comes along and talks about Mexican rapists, the drug cartels, promises to build a wall, wins in a landslide. So I can't say Republicans were any more self-reflective. You know, these guys in Washington, they got to get out of Washington and meet some Americans. Yeah. They're, they're lovely people. You should do it sometime. You know, Trump said he based a lot of uh, his thinking on talk radio, which was really the voice of the people. It wasn't filtered through any uh, elitist. Yes, well, as you know, I give a lot of speeches, um, and and of course, I've written Adios America, which thank God Donald Trump read. Um, and yeah, immigration is a really big issue. The, the the strange thing about the immigration issue, and that is the the one issue that completely set him apart from anyone else who has run for president in our lifetime, certainly, and even beyond that. Um, but the thing about immigration is which is why, why I, I, I only put it at 60% that Trump would win the presidency. Democrats could have already wrecked the country and changed it enough demographically that no Republican could win again, as in California. But with immigration, you're either, um, <laughs> it's, it's either blissful ignorance or point of no return. So California, point of no return. The few remaining Americans who live in California realize that immigration is a really big problem. Um, you know, I think I think Minnesota that's imported had the great idea. Um, we're too white bread. I know. Let's bring in a hundred thousand Somalis. Um, they're discovering the problems with immigration. Poor Germany. I think they're discovering the problems with with mass third world immigration these days. Um, but by the time you know what the problems are, it's often too late. We were very lucky. Uh, God has given America one more chance, and, and oh, boy, yeah. we better pray that Trump keeps his promises. All right. Well, everybody get Ann Coulter's book, In Trump We Trust. It's the Trump book, In Trump We Trust. Go to AnnCoulter.com. You can get the book. You can get the column and all that stuff there. And Ann Coulter, thanks for being with us. You forgot to say, Mark Simone, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas. Holidays. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Uh, hey. <laughs> I'm in the Sean Hannity studio. Uh, if I look out that window, I can see the Rockefeller Center tree. It's Merry Christmas. We'll be back with uh, your calls. 800-941-SEAN is the number. 800-941-SEAN. Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. In a sea of government lies, he's the beacon of truth. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Mark Simone here for... Sean, we got plenty of time now. We'll take some calls. 800-941-SEAN is the number. Give me a call, 800-941-SEAN. Now, yesterday it became official. Uh, you know, when you vote on Election Day, you're voting for your elector to vote in the Electoral College. Yesterday was the Electoral College vote. Trump wins 304 to 224. Now, those are numbers are a little different from what you were expecting. There were some defections, I think seven or eight. Most of the defections were from Hillary Clinton, uh, her electors leaving her. Uh, Colin Powell got like four electoral votes. Colin Powell? 
uh, who's like 106 now uh, and had been retired for 15 years, but he got a few. Well, he's a good guy. I, I can understand that. Uh, Bill Clinton speaking, <laughs> choking to death. Bill Clinton speaking the last couple of days and uh, uh, actually said, well, you know, she was going to, you know, between James Comey and this uh, Russian hacking and, uh, Actually, the hacking is me right now. But uh, uh, the Russian hacking was really critical in this election. Nobody can still tell me what the hell they hacked. What, uh, if you ask anybody, what exactly was hacked? The election, the whole election. But well, what? Uh, the election, and it's a threat to our democracy. Uh, I, I don't know. Are they talking about Podesta? I, do you honestly know anybody who switched their vote because they read a John Podesta email? Uh James Comey, of course, that had an effect. But if there was nothing there, there would have been nothing for Comey to talk about. Anyway, let's take a call or two. Let's go to Mario in Florida. Mario, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Mark. What's going on? Oh, everything's great. What do you want to say? Hey, um, I was wondering, do you think, and I know you were talking about it earlier with Lou Dobbs. Yes. Um, do you think that uh, Trump is going to uh, fire Comey as part A? And part B is if he does fire Comey, who do you think to replace him with? Well, you know, you can fire an FBI director. It's a 10-year term, but you can fire them. There are ways it can be done. You can also call the guy in. Uh, and knowing Trump, he'll sit the guy down and say, listen, I love you, but you've been a mess. You've been a mess. Yeah, you I laid know. out the whole case to the prosecutor, and then you said there's no reason to prosecute You told me no evidence of a hacking. Uh, you talked to Obama. Next thing is a hacking. You, you, you know what? We'll help you find a job. Just You got to go. Uh, you could yeah. easy, easy to replace a FBI director. Uh, you you know he's very good at going to all the top FBI people and asking them who would be a great director. He'll figure it out real fast. Hey, and you know who would be a great FBI director? Well, what I actually ah uh, you didn't I, you didn't say who Rudy oh, who? Rudy Giuliani. You know, well, it's funny because I actually uh, did a poll on Twitter, and the only thing I hate about Twitter is that they only give you four choices for a poll. They should make it like seven. But I chose, um, I put James Kallstrom, uh, the ex-director uh, of the New York office. Yeah, he's a very Sheriff good guy. Clark, Who? Trey, Sheriff Clark, yeah. Trey Gowdy, and then someone else. And, All right, this uh, is why they only give you four choices. Uh, you, with you with seven choices, we'd be down to uh, Derek Jeter. You're all over the map with these choices. Well, I would have, I would have actually put Giuliani, but I had the poll done. I did the poll after he announced he wanted to withdraw from the cabinet. Yeah. From but so Trey Gowdy got fifty four percent, Sheriff Clark got thirty eight, James Calstrom got four percent, and then uh, someone else. I've always found that if you answer any poll on Twitter, you clearly have too much free time on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I know how to break this to you. At some time, we have to end the call. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But you've been a great call, Mario. Thanks for checking in with us. Let's go to uh, Brian in Arizona. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making your call. Um, uh, my point is, uh, going back to the uh, whole uh, Russia hacking thing. Hey, my this is not to be taken lightly. This is a threat to our democracy, this hacking. Yes, it is. Apparently, apparently. But my point is, if nothing they did, but if the Russians hacked the election, like you, like you're asking, though, how would they do that? If they did, though, it my in my opinion, and not a lot of people are talking about it, but I, I find it like I, it's, I, I find it factual, man. Um, 
is it was probably to avoid war. Because we all know Hillary Clinton. Answer me one question. What did they hack? Well, that's my point. I mean, I don't know what they did. It's, I guarantee I, it. I in, uh, in the Kremlin, Putin is saying to somebody, what did we, what, what did we hack exactly? Nobody knows yeah, exactly. what they hacked. I mean, what, our influence? No, I mean, I mean, you I mean, saw the stadiums. I love know. the Henry Kissinger uh, answer on Meet the Press when they asked him. He said, ah, he goes, they hack everything. We hack everything. Everybody hacks everybody. It doesn't mean anything. And he, he actually said, I hope we're hacking them all the time, too. Nobody knows what they hacked or uh Listen, Podesta has admitted, if you ever get these emails, uh, you, you know, we're from your email account, you have to give us, your, you have to change your password, or your, uh, if you're over the age of two, you don't fall for this. However, if you're over the age of 70, you don't know any better. So Podesta gets one of these phishing spam emails, you know, you need to change your password, or your, your account has been, uh, it's a, Podesta calls the IT guy. And the IT guy says, just to be safe, you better change your password. Podesta, this dope, thinks that means answer the email and change the password there on this fake phishing spam email. So he goes there and changes his password. That's how he got hacked. The DNC, you know, the FBI did investigate both the RNC and DNC servers. Uh, They said there was no evidence of hacking of the RNC. And they also said, problem with the DNC, they had no security on the server. There was no protection on the server, so anybody could have hacked into there easily. Uh, let's go to uh, Tyler, Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Tyler, how you doing? Tyler, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing? Good. What do you want to say, Tyler? Um, well, I'd like to uh, really bring up the fact of uh, the per- uh, the na- nation's perception of safety. Um, it's something that I've personally seen go down downhill since the Obama administration and gun reform. And I feel like that uh, really could have been a, something that's been overlooked that could have helped swing the tides of the vote. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. You know, a lot of uh, things uh, got people thinking about safety. First of all, all these refugees coming up and the, uh, the dangers of refugees. Uh, and then you look at how many of our last uh, bunch of terrorist attacks were done by refugees. Boston Bomber, San Bernardino. You can rattle them all off. Now, this is not to say all refugees are a problem. But if it's 1%, that's thousands and thousands of terrorists in the country. So people are thinking about that. And Trump was the first one to really talk about uh, violence and crime in cities. You know, you take Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore, Washington. He's the first one just to come out and say it. You know, you, 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 know, you inner city people are thinking the Democrats are on your side. Like, look what they've done to your cities. They've done nothing, nothing to fix anything. Uh, let's go to Dave in Chicago. Dave, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Good afternoon, Mark. The changing standards of the New York Times, I wish to illustrate with Jason Blair and the many lies and the, all the plagiarism he did back in, I think, the early 2000s. Yeah. And compare that with today with all the lies with Donald Trump. Well, back in the early 2000s, the New York Times made such a big deal out of Jason Blair. They wrote a long editorial, A Lie in the Times, and today they have no shame. Yeah, it's just – well – um, one of the differences is, and the, the great papers, the Washington Post, the New York Times, they used to be businesses, these newspapers. The Washington Post was bought by Jeff Bezos, not by Amazon. Bezos bought it personally, money out of his own pocket, just to use as a weapon. It has no business purpose for him. 
He just wanted to use it for influence to hurt Trump. Uh, you got the same situation in the New York Times. You got the Mexican billionaire, Carlos Slim, funding the New York Times. He's the principal owner of the New York Times right now. He's the biggest investor. So, And again, he's not using it for any business purpose. It couldn't possibly help him business-wise. He's using it just as a weapon to go after Trump. So you've got these two papers totally corrupted, fake news all over the place. Uh, I mean, you read these stories in the New York Times. That, I mean, it's so false. You know, everything from big, massive, uh, the, he's never given any money to charity. None of that is true. I can tell you, uh, being on the board of a few charities with Donald Trump, he has given millions, $50,000 last week to one. He does it all the time. But you read these fake stories. The other one I love is how he doesn't read. He doesn't read anything. Uh, anybody that knows him is just laughing because you, you just walk into his office. It's nothing but a pile of books, newspapers, papers. This is all he does all day and night is just read. You go into his house. I could, you, I could tell you where he was sitting. Just look for the pile of newspapers and, and, and papers. Let's go to uh, let's go to Lily in Chicago. Hey, Lily, how you doing? Yes, good afternoon, sir. Um, this is Lily from Chicago. I am originally from Puerto Rico, so I am a Latina. And I I am not very knowledgeable about politics and stuff yeah. like that. I usually rely on my husband for questions. But I really want to thank you for, you know, your program and, and, and people like you that really uh, take the time to uh, encourage and really inform us about what's going on. I am also a Republican. I voted for Mr. Trump, and I am very hopeful that the Latino community is going to grow thanks to him. Well, Lily, you're confusing everybody. You're supposed to be a Democrat. You're supposed to be uh, have a Hillary sign on your lawn. How could you be for Trump? Oh, please. It's, it's a fallacy. Uh, you know, all my friends are, you know, in agreement with me, uh, I guess, because we are smart. Yeah. All right. Well, common sense uh, carried the day in this election. Hey, Lily, thanks for calling. Great talking to you. 800-941-SEAN is the number. 800-941-SEAN. We would love to hear you, hear from you. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Follow me on uh, Twitter, Mark Simone NY at Twitter. Oh, on Instagram. Uh, in fact, I put up a video. It's a little tour of the studio. You want to see what Sean puts up on the walls here or what it looks like here? Mark Simone NY at Instagram. And we'll take some calls in a minute. Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Government's got problems. He's got solutions. America listens to The Sean Hannity Show. Welcome back. It's The Sean Hannity Show. Look at this. We're almost out of time. It really flew by. Look at Linda. What do you mean it flew by? It didn't fly by for me. She's just fighting with all the callers in there, uh, studying for her MBA at the same time. Uh, uh-oh, now she looks mad. Uh, anyway, we'll take some calls. 800-941-SEAN is the number. What's the matter? Uh, oh, now she's not talking. What, are you talking to me? No, no, no. I was talking to uh, Ethan. We're, we're talking. Are you talking about me when I'm on the phone with callers? I didn't say anything about you. Because you know that's going to get on my nerves. I didn't say one thing. What did you say? Why are you putting it? I what did you talking. say? I never referred to you. Say it again. I said, what a job she does and her... No, that's not what you said. Smile, what did he say, Ethan? Her attitude. He said that you were 
so lovely and just a, a amazing individual, yeah. and he's glad that he was working with you for the whole day. Yeah, both of you are getting coal in your stockings. That's I enough of that. I said you were like a ray of sunshine. Oh, forget about it. And uh, uh, anyway, 800-941-SEAN is the number. Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Bob in Florida. Hey, Bob. Hey, how you doing this evening? Thanks for taking my call. What part of Florida are you in? Well, uh, I'm in northeast Florida, Ponte Vedra Beach. Where? Ponte Vedra Beach. It's Sawgrass. Where the Ponte Vedra Beach? Place. You're making this up. There's no such beach. Oh, yes, there is. No, there isn't. If you're a golfie and you watch TPC, that's where I live. I talk to people all the time. Not one person ever said, I just got back from Ponte Vedra Beach. Okay, well, we say we're from Jacksonville. Oh, okay. Well, now I know where it is. It's a very nice town there, actually. Yeah, it is kind of foggy tonight. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, I have uh, a couple thoughts about the, the Russian hacking and, of course, all the, the domestic terror yeah. uh, uh, acts by the people trying to uh, to sway the vote of the electors and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the, the electors being contacted and harassed and threatened with bodily harm and death. Uh, being treated as a uh, domestic terror. Well, you know, that's a good question. I think that cost Hillary uh, electoral votes. She lost, what did she lose? Seven electoral votes. Seven electors switched their votes. Uh, and most of them were Hillary. And I think that's the reason why. I think a lot of them really resented being threatened, uh, being yelled at by all these celebrities. A lot of uh, Hillary voters, electoral votes, switched to others. Not to Trump necessarily. But Colin Powell got four votes. Those would have been uh, Hillary votes. Are we out of time? Uh, no, we got about a minute 20. Is that time for another call? I should talk. So this is Linda saying to you callers, hey, you're, you're too slow. You, you, we can't fit you in. A minute 20 is like an eternity. That's like a whole Andy. It's a New York minute 20. It's a very different thing. Oh, yeah, that's true. See, I'm on in New York on WOR. Uh, I could take 47 calls in a minute. Everybody's boom, 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 boom. But uh, uh, nothing personal, but uh, from around the country, you do talk a little slower. Now, I'm looking out the window. We're above Rockefeller Center. There's the Christmas tree. I can tell who's from New York and who's not. Anybody from New York, when they go look at the tree, they look at it. All right, let's go. That's it. When they're from out of town, they stand there for like a half hour and look at the tree. Of course, they flew 2,000 miles to come see this. But you could always tell the New Yorker. Where's the tree? All right, let's go. That's it. They take their selfie. They're gone. Anyway, we're out of time. Hey, this was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody for listening. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Uh, Follow me on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that. You go to my website, MarkSimone.com or MarkSimoneNY at Twitter. Please go look at the Snopes picture. You will never look at this stupid website the same way again. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And thanks a lot. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.